Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. All right, you may be seated if you are standing, worshiping. And thank you, instrumentalists. Uh, we're going to continue with our Bible study. We've been studying the book of Acts for a while. And we're going to continue. And even though we are studying it chapter upon chapter, verse upon verse, uh, we're actually looking at it in, in terms of topics. And so today, uh, most of what I will be talking about is, is talking about um, works of righteousness. Let's go to Acts chapter number 10. I want to start uh, from verse 34. We've read this over and over again, but... If you if you are just joining us for the first time, uh, this is talking about Colinius, uh, one of the first non-Jew recorded to have been saved. He was a centurion, the Bible tells us, and he he served in the Italian band. So, so maybe he was an Italian. I mean, it was it was Rome, so they probably were Italians, but there were people who were uh, who became uh, citizens of Rome who were not necessarily from from Italy. So, but it's, the Bible says he was a centurion, and he was a man of honor. He feared God. He was a man of prayer, and he was a man of a man that gives. He was a liberal man. He was a giver, and the Bible tells us from where we read from the very first verses that an angel appeared, uh, looked like a man with white shining clothes. That's why you should wear clean shining clothes. You look like an angel. Praise God. Well, angels are not really um, higher than humans. If you're born again, you're higher than angels, the Bible tells us. So he appeared to him and said, send uh, for Paul, for Peter, in the house uh, of Simon the Tanner, which was by the seaside. And so we see here Peter coming with the, the messenger that was sent with some disciples into the house of Colinius. So let's start from verse 34. And the Bible said, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. We spent a whole week talking about the fact that God is no respecter of persons. Amen. One other thing that means also is that God does not take bribes. You can't bribe God for healing. You can't bribe God for a miracle. Hallelujah. You know, because sometimes people try to cut corners from faith, from the word of God. And they think, well, if I if I give a large offering, maybe God will heal me. Now, if you're giving a large offering because of faith, yes, you could get healed. But you can't bribe God with money. You can't bribe God also with service. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say, well, I'm going to do 10 penance. I'm, I'm going to clean the church this week, sweep my neighborhood the next week. I'll, I'll feed... Ten poor people, maybe God will prosper me. Now, that's not the way faith works. Now, these are good works, which is part of what I'm going to be talking about today. But really, it's not meant to bring salvation. It should be a fruit of salvation. It's supposed to be something you do now that you are saved, now that you are healed, now that you are prosperous. Now, it's good to know where the works 
follow faith, how faith works and works. Because some people just think, well, now that I'm born again, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to help anyone. I don't need to feed the poor. I just need to get to heaven. As far as my, my T's are, are, are crossed, my I's are dotted, I know the scripture, I confess it for myself, I'm good enough. But that's still not true what the Bible says. So people can go from one extreme to the other extreme. So let's go back again to the scriptures, verse 35. He said, but I know God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, 34. Again, we also mentioned that that means that God doesn't respect gender. You can be male or female and be blessed. Amen. Amen. There are still some cultures that uh, discriminate against women. Some, some churches, some, some bodies or assemblies of God, uh, not assemblies of God church, I'm talking about assemblies of Christ, people who gather together who don't believe in women preachers until one comes and lays hands on them and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's what Ken Higgins said, praise God. And many times if you don't believe in women preachers, you're going to keep hearing women preachers preach to you. I heard Joyce Meyer say something. He said, many say they don't believe in women preachers. They just believe in women teachers. So if you ch change the P to a T, then you are fine. <laughs> all of that is just religious jargons. The truth is that if you are anointed of God, doesn't matter if you are male or female, uh, the Spirit of God can, can flow through you. Amen. Amen. We say God is not a respecter of color of skin. Some people think light-skinned people are more favored than dark skin. <laughs> Some people think that blonde hairs have more favor. They have, they have more fun. Than, 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 than brunettes or black-haired people or brown-haired people. I think it's the brunettes and black-haired people that invented the dumb-dumb whites, <laughs> dumb-dumb blondes, because they had to get back on them somewhere. <laughs> well, all of these things are just human culture. That's not scripture. So God doesn't discriminate with the color of skin. He doesn't discriminate whether you're dark, whether you're black, whether you're Asian whether you are Hispanic. Let's go back to chapter 30, uh, verse 34 again. The Bible says, And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, every nation, he that feareth God and walketh righteousness is accepted with him. So it doesn't matter where you are. You know, I know many people uh, from some developing countries, and some, some even developed countries wanted to escape to America, to the U.S., to make money. They don't want to come now, praise God. <laughs> some of them are thinking of how to escape. Well, it's not as bad as the news make it to, feel, to, to look like. Uh, there are many people do living in the perfect health, doing great in the United States. Amen. But what I'm saying in essence is that you don't have to travel to the United States to succeed. The word of God is not more effective in the United States than it is in Africa or Asia or South America. It's, it's the same word, works the same everywhere. And so if God can heal you in, in the U.S., he can heal you in South Korea. He can heal you in, in, in uh, Ghana. He can heal you in Tunisia. He can heal you in Saudi Arabia. So it's not a matter of your nationality or your geographic location. It's a matter of your spiritual location. Amen. So here, again, we are repeating all of these things because even though some people will believe or say they believe these verses of scriptures, when it comes to practice, when it comes to reality, their mindset is such that they believe that God favors some special locations 
more than others. And I'm not saying God tells you to travel, you shouldn't travel. You know, when you say things like this, people say, yeah, it's easy for you to say. You are in the United States of America. Yeah, but that's not where success is. I was succeeding where I was in Africa as well. I was doing good. Praise God. Driving a good car, living in a good home, being blessed, even though I was in my very early 20s. So God can bless you anywhere. There are people who are doing better outside the U.S. than the people who are in the U.S., yeah, uh, one of one of my people I respect in ministry, uh, David Oedipo, said he was here, and God told him to go back to Africa, and and plant the ministry there. The same thing with Archbishop Benson also. He was here schooling, and God told him to go back to Africa, and from that place they reached the whole world. So it's not a matter of your location. If you if you think your location is your problem, then you have a bigger problem. Your problem is faith. You don't believe the word of God like you should. If God sends you to go somewhere, then you should go. But if, if God asks you to go to Saudi Arabia, then your success is in Saudi Arabia. If he tells you to go to Afghanistan, then pack your loads and go there. If he tells you to go to Chicago, then go to Chicago. It's not about the Chicago or wherever the location is. It's being in the will of God. So the Bible says, in every nation, in every nation, he that feared God and walketh righteousness is accepted by him. So we spent some time talking about what it means to fear God. And that the Bible's uh, meaning of the fear of God is not exactly what some people think. It's not being afraid that God is going to destroy you. It's not afraid that God could just get mad and rain fire upon you. Now, we see some of these things in the Old Testament. At least that's what it seems. But in the New Testament, we begin to understand from revelation that Jesus brought that God is love. Somebody say hallelujah. And that every good and perfect gift comes from God, who is the father of light, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And that evil doesn't come from God. Jesus Christ said that is the thief, St. John chapter number 10 from verse 10. He said, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, but I'm come that ye may have life and have life more abundantly. So it is the thief that kills, that steals and destroys. And one of the things going on right now outside the church is the pandemic. And we know it's not from God. Praise God. It comes because the devil, the enemy wants to kill, wants to steal, and wants to destroy. But the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, I am come that ye might have life and have life more abundantly. So we don't want to get mis, you know, we don't want to misunderstand the situation and begin to wonder, did God send it? Uh, maybe people are living in sin. That's why God sent it. Well, it is true that it may come by reason of people's sin or unbelief, but it's not true that God sent it. Why? Because Jesus already bore all our sins on his body. When he came, he paid for every sin. So God is no longer in the business of punishing sin, even if it were in the Old Testament, but Jesus paid it all. However, there is still a destroyer, a thief, a liar. Fake news didn't start from today. It started a long time ago. Lies to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the devil still does that. One of the reasons why so many people are afraid today, they don't know what is the truth. There are so many theories out there, and people don't know what to believe. But I'll tell you what to believe. Believe the word of God. 
The world doesn't change. It doesn't change by government. It doesn't change by geographical location. It doesn't change by who is in power. The word of God is the truth. Everything else you have to take with a pinch of salt because you're not so sure who what they're saying. So the Bible says that in every nation, uh, every, every nation that anyone who fears God, anyone who fears God and does righteousness is accepted with him. So the fear of God is also can be translated also to faith because fear and faith is the same law, the same principle. So in the New Testament, instead of saying fear, even though it appears a couple of times, what we see more is faith or we see the love of God, to have faith in God, to trust God. And it's still the same principle because fear is reacting out of cringe, out of torment, out of expectation of punishment. But faith is reacting to love, expectation of good, expectation of, of, of positive outcome. So it's the same law, but one is, is expecting negative things while the other one is expecting positive things. So when the Bible talks about the fear of God, it's the reverence for God, it's a trust in God. It's to know that the word of God is true. The Bible says one of the proof of the fear of God is to depart from evil. Why do you depart from evil? Because the Bible tells you, tells you and I that evil is bad, that evil destroys, that sin is bad, that the devil destroys. If the devil, if the devil takes over your life by causing you to sin, he's going to lead you to a very bad end. So if you trust the word of God, you depart from evil. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Some people think I'm just going to be stubborn, stubborn. No, stubborn people have bad times. Stubborn people have rough times. Stubborn people are not usually like, they don't get their results because people resist stubborn. The Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the way of the transgression is hard. And that's why we stay away from sin. Liars eventually get found out. And even their best friends leave them because people don't like to be lied to. So when God says don't lie, he's not trying to steal your phone. He's trying to help you. And it's not, that, it's not that God will just cause you to die because you lie. It's just that you stay away from the blessings of God. Just the same way laws work. There's the law that governs traffic on the streets. If you are in the U.S., you drive on the right side. If you are in the United Kingdom, you drive on the left side. You don't go to the United Kingdom from the U.S. and say, I like driving on the right. I don't like this left thing. And you start driving on the on the on, on the right in in London. What's going to happen to you? You get if the good thing is if you get pulled over and get a ticket. Worse than that is that you're going to you know run headlong into a big car, a trailer, and that's going to be worse. The same thing if you begin to disobey God's word. There are things that are out there that are, that you are supposed to avoid, and if you don't stay in the lane of God's word, you're going to run into trouble. You're going to run into oppression. You're going to run into sickness and disease. You're going to run into all kinds of uh, problems in your finances. You're going to run into marital problems. Your children are going to be affected if you don't stay in God's word. So when we talk about the fear of God, we're talking about the reverence for God's word, the faith on God's word. We're talking about treating God's word as truth. We're talking about respecting God's word enough to obey it. So the Bible said this man feared God. But today, many people really don't care. It's almost like it doesn't matter. One of the popular words today is whatever, whatever. They just do whatever. It's like, well, I know they said that, but whatever. I don't just feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible, whatever, whatever. 
And that's why many people just live whatever lives. They are not sincerely, extremely blessed. Some people think we are extreme. Yeah, we are extreme. We are extremely blessed, extremely healed, extremely prosperous, extremely joyful. We are not the normal kind of people. I can tell you that. We are not. We are strange. We are strange. We are stranger than Dr. Strange. We are strange. We are very strange to many people. How can you stay 10, 20 years, you don't have any medical problem. 30 years, you don't need a doctor. You're not worried about coronavirus. You're not scared. You're not running hackers, hackers, scared. You're going out like normal. My routine hasn't changed. Praise God. I say, hallelujah. No, it hasn't. I've been the same, coming to the office the same way I used to, preaching the same way I used to, just that not so many people come out like they used to. <laughs> but my routine hasn't changed one bit. Just the same way it was. Why? Because I'm operating in a different dimension, in a different, in a different kingdom. I know not everybody may have the same kind of work that I do, but I'm saying that your life does not have to change. Your finances does not have to change. Your health does not have to change. If you stay in God's word, God promises you that even though heaven and earth falls apart, the word of God remains the same. If you build your life on God's word, you become like that, on, on this indestructible, unmovable. You become founded on an indestructible word. The Bible says we are not born with corruptible seed like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible seed of God's word which liveth and abides forevermore. First Peter chapter 1. So we, we based our life in God's word, and so we are stable. And that's what it means to fear God. You remain in the reverence of God. That's why I don't play with God's word. If God says, rejoice, I don't ask myself, do you feel like rejoicing? What did I do? I say, self, rejoice! You say, I, you, you know, things around you don't look so good. I say, it doesn't matter. God didn't say if they look so good, it just says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? He said, always and again. If he says it again, you need to know you have to do it. Praise God. So I just rejoice, rejoice forevermore. I give God thanks. I dance and just praise God. I notice sometimes in church, uh, people stand like standard bank. They don't move. They don't dance. They don't, they don't shake anything. They just they look at the music ministers and just try to enjoy the music like people do when they are watching television. But when you come to church or when you're watching like this, you're not just supposed to be a spectator. You're supposed to participate. Worship means that you're doing something, not watching something. You're doing something. And so I spend the time to dance and praise God and move my hands, move my feet and turn around and jump. And then people wonder, why are you still looking so healthy and so young? Because I'm doing it according to the word of God. And I'm pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we all can do this. This is not just for those in the nation. This is not just for the male or female gender. This is not just for the white or the black. Everyone in any nation can enjoy all of God's blessings. Somebody say amen. So go back to Acts chapter number 10. So the Bible says, anyone in verse 35, in every nation, he that feareth God and walketh righteousness shall uh, is accepted with him. So that part of walking of righteousness, we began to look at last week. And I think in some circles, there is, you know, there's some confusion because people are, you know, really debating in many circles today about righteousness and holiness about works and no works. Some say, you don't need any work. 
you are, you know, you are, you are saved by grace. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to tithe. You don't need to, to, to give. You don't, you can cause people out and God will even increase you. I was in a service. This is not what somebody told me. The person says that you can go there and, and, and steal and lie. And instead of God, you know, punishing you because he doesn't punish anymore, he will actually bless you more. Because the Bible says, let, you know, when sin increases, grace much more. I mean, you can, you can preach anything from Scripture if you just cut, cut it from different parts and put it together. And people like, hell, hallelujah, this is a new covenant. And so because of that, people are living unrighteous lives. Some marriages are breaking. People say, I can't take it anymore. I mean, I have grace. Some live um, licentious lives, living in sin, uh, killing, stealing, and destroying. And they just say we are in, in the dispensation of grace. But that's not true. The Bible makes us see that one of the major impacts of grace is to live a holy life. The product of righteousness which we receive by grace is holiness. And so we ought to begin to live better lives. We ought to begin to live holier lives. We ought to begin to be more respectable to authority. Somebody say Hallelujah. When the policeman stops a believer, he should not say, what? What do you want? I was, I was with a friend one time, not saved, traveling while I was walking in a secular world. And the policeman stopped me and said, what do you want? Give me the ticket, let me go. You know, just, he just spoke to him roughly. I'm like, that's not a way to speak to a police. He's doing his job. And because of him, many people are not getting accidents. So if you were, if you were running beyond the speed limit, then you probably need some ticket to check you up. Praise God. Now, if you have grace, nobody caught you. Well, praise God. If somebody caught you, don't act like you didn't do wrong. Just pay. Just be kind. Be humble. And maybe if you're humble enough, he may not even give you that ticket. And guess what? If you talk to the policeman that roughly, what, what kind of ticket do you think you will give him? The highest possible. Sure, we look for two more things that he can give him a ticket for. And then he was not trying to get me to join him to, to deny the fact that he was going beyond speed limit. He said, would you be my weakness? I said, no, no, I won't be your weakness. I saw you. You were going beyond the speed limit. Pay the ticket. You were even rough to the policeman. Now, that's what some people think that grace means. No, grace is not like that. You want to live right. Amen. You want to maintain good works. The Bible says, he that... Feared God, walks by faith, and walketh righteousness is accepted with him. So we want to see some scriptures that tells us that there are import, there's an importance in doing the right thing. First of all, let's go to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew is one of the uh, accounts of Jesus Christ. Some say it's the Old Testament. I don't agree with that. I believe it's the New Testament. First of all, it's on the side of the New Testament in the Bible. <laughs> there is a divide between Malachi and Matthew. And one says Old Testament, the other says New Testament. So first of all, that's, 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 that's a clue. <laughs> it's true that many people weren't born again, but Jesus was. Jesus was born of the Spirit. So even though he was addressing some people who could not understand, but we must understand that Jesus himself was in the new covenant. He, was, he came to introduce world, the world to the new covenant. And so he addressed it. There were things he did. In short, the way he lived, he lived as a new covenant believer. But they could not understand. So he had to teach them what 
uh, eventually what they, what they should live like. And he said, there are things I want to say to you, you cannot understand it now. How be it when the Spirit of God is come, he will teach you on all these truths. So he lived like a believer. He walked on water. He casted out devils. He, he, he stilled the storm. He divided uh, a few loaves and few fishes. And fed 5,000. So you see, you can't be afraid of running out of food during coronavirus time. Just read those scriptures over and over again. And if you have a few loaves of bread and sardines left, <laughs> just bring it out, bless it, and you can feed 5,000 with it. I know some people think I'm joking, but I'm not. I've, I've tried it before. While I was on campus, ran out of food, blessed the remaining food I had. And continue to eat as long as I could until my health came. Praise God. I even did it once with a matchbox. This time I was looking at Ezekiel and said, prophesy uh, to the dry bus. I was about to eat. And I checked, my matchbox was empty. And I was like two or three kilometers from where the next store was in school. I said, no way, I have to eat. And I had to warm my food. I began to look for all the empty matchsticks that I've used. And there was no match head on it. So I put it together. And I prophesied on it. <laughs> I said, March head, come in the name of Jesus. And I turned around, I searched, looked at it again, and I found one. And I struck the match and lit the, the stove and, and cooked my food. Someone said, yeah, yeah, it was a coincidence. I like such coincidences that coincides with the word of God. And that brings you good in times of challenge. That's the like kind of coincidence I like. Praise God. Yeah, when you need money, you prophesy on your checkbook and somebody just transfers money into your account. That's a coincidence of faith. Praise God. So, yes, you shouldn't be afraid no matter what's going on because fear, the wrong kind of fear, the fear of the enemy, the fear of the devil to kill, to steal, and destroy is the major problem that's causing people to die. I know many don't necessarily agree with me, but that's the truth. The Bible says that Fear is what exposes people to oppression. We read it, Isaiah 54, it said, you shall be far from oppression because you shall not fear. So if you are afraid, if you are afraid, it doesn't matter what you're afraid of. Some people are afraid of 5G, some are afraid of 6G, some are afraid of, of Corona. So there are people, there are all kinds of fear peddlers. If you are afraid, you become subject to bondage. So you're not supposed to be afraid of anything. You're not supposed to be afraid. I know some people think, well, you're just ignorant. No, no, I'm not talking about ignorance. The Bible says you will tread upon serpents and scorpions. Even if they are there, you are not supposed to be afraid of it. You're supposed to reign over it. You're supposed to act like it has no power over you. Praise God. I say hallelujah. The Bible promises us that the church is going to be privileged to escape tribulation. Somebody say, I'm not going to go into any tribulation. Nobody's going to pump any kind of chip in my body. This body is the temple of the living God. And I'm not going to go cowering in fear, wondering whether they are. No, no. I have authority to bind and to lose. And until I leave, they can't even do it in my neighborhood. Somebody say hallelujah. That's the attitude of a believer. Not acting in fear. Oh, they are deceiving us. I'm not deceived. I'm led of the Holy Ghost. It's the spirit of truth. It guides me on to all truth. I don't depend on CNN or TBS or CBS or MNZ or any of those news channels for my information. My information comes from the spirit of God. I can know what is going out there, but my attitude comes from the good news of God's word. God already told us the news 2,000 years ago and more. 
that in these last days, perilous time will come. He said there will be pestilences. So we shouldn't be afraid of it. He said, he said don't be troubled by these things. He said, none of these things should move you, like, like Paul would say. So instead, we should focus on what assignments God has given us to, which is studying the word of God, becoming like him, and preaching the gospel. Somebody say, hallelujah. Don't sit at home and do nothing because you think you are home grounded. This is an opportunity to preach the word. Many people now are looking for solutions. So uh, become innovative. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Find out how to minister the word of God. You know, I've been hearing testimonies of people who have begun to use media to make an impact. I mean, I've even realized now, which I didn't even know before, that if you have a lot of views on your on your on a media production in some of these social media, you get paid for it. Wow, amazing! So you can make money sitting at home. I just read somebody who paid God paid the large sum. She put it out there for people to see over two thousand dollars because she filmed uh, a YouTube video on how to tie hair what they call igele in some African countries. How to tie this special African hairdo. And she had over 1.5 million views. And they gave her some good cash. She didn't have to work. It didn't take more than 10 minutes to do the video. Now she may have researched on it. So you could find something to do while you are home with your phone and make some cool money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. And I had others, somebody who was laid off work. This was before the coronavirus thing, of course, and, 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 and tried to get back his job. He wouldn't, couldn't get it. So he decided to just concentrate on his pastime, putting blogs. Eventually, it became, he had so much viewership, so much, so much subscribers that it became a full-time. He started employing people. At the time I was reading it, he had over 10 or 20 employees just blogging from home. And you think you had a job. No, the problem is not a job. The problem is an idea, revelation, inspiration, knowing what to do with your time and doing the right thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 5, um, let's start reading from verse 14. This is part of what God said to us this year. He said, ye are the light of the world. Turn to somebody, even if you are home or around here, just turn around and say, Ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Praise God. He says, Ye are the light of the world. Then he says, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light. In, unto all that are in the house. Let me put it into this language. A believer cannot be on house lockdown and don't do anything. You cannot be hid. You are the light of the world. Now, even if you can't go out physically, you can, you can go out in other forms. You can pray. Your prayer can change nations. And I know that's one of the areas many Christians uh, uh, need to get more engaged in, knowing how to pray. Some people just think it doesn't, it doesn't make much difference. Why would I be doing here just you know, kabashing, praying, talking, nobody's seen me. But the Bible said he does. The Bible says Elijah was a man of light passion, prayed earnestly, and because of one man's prayer, a whole nation got changed. So this is a time to pray. Pray for your city. Pray for your nation. Pray for those in authority. Your prayer can make a lot of difference. The Bible says we should also pray for laborers in the vineyard. 
So yes, you can, you can, you can, you can be translated spiritually. One thing I've, I've heard, many people have had testimonies about it. When they begin to pray about certain individuals or certain places, God begins to give them revelations about those places. There are some people who are actually transported spiritually to those places to minister because they entered into a ministry of intercession beyond just asking for bread, fish, and you know, uh, Coca-Cola. Praise God. You can, you, can, you can pray effectively. You can change cities. You can change nations. One of the things actually I've been doing for the past couple of years is to intercede for nations. God told me uh, many years ago, over 10 years now, pray for nations every day. Pray for nations. So uh, we pray every morning, 5 a.m. One of the major focuses is to pray for nations. Yeah, we're praying for them. We're believing God for laborers to be sent. They were believing that they will receive the gospel. We are declaring and releasing people there. We are strengthening the church. We're not just praying for our own needs. Listen, if you prayed for f- food yesterday, you prayed for food today, then on, on, on Saturday you now pray for rice, then, this, then Sunday you pray for bread, you should, you should get to a point where you realize that the prayers and prayers should have provided enough food for you for, for a while. And then start praying for other things. So you just pray for people. Just keep praying for their need over and over again. There's nothing wrong in praying for your needs. The Bible says, if you have need, ask. But there are great things that you can pray for. The Bible says, when you seek the kingdom of God, if you are your focus is on establishing the kingdom of God, your needs become met, even if you don't pray specifically for those things. People don't get that key, so they just keep asking for their needs, and they shut. Uh, change themselves because when God supplies your needs according to his riches, it's about according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, according to heavenly standard. So you want to get engaged in the kingdom. You want to pray for what God wants to happen. In this period, you want to pray people's eyes will be open. You want to pray that people will receive the word of God. Another thing you can do in this season is to is to get the word of God out. Uh, use telephone, use emails, uh, use social media. Edit good messages. What most people do now, from what I can see, is they just spend their all day listening, looking at short video clips people sent on their WhatsApps. <laughs> and they exchange it. Oh, this one is funny. Then they send it to their friends. No, this one is not true. And that's what most people do with their time, apart from watching television. You know. But you can use that time to study, to pray, to minister, to call people and encourage them. To study Bible study, I have people in this church who are studying Bible study with their family members, with their friends. So listen, let's let's meet every Tuesday at 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 seven o'clock, every Friday at eight. Let's study for one hour and share the word of God. People who didn't have time before now may have time now and preach to them. Share the things you have learned. Youth can do that too. This is not for the 50-year-old, the 40-year-old, the 30-year-old. You can be 15, 12, 10, and study Bible study. T.L. Osborne, one of my mentors in faith, started preaching at a young age of 18. Started writing tracts. Printed it with his own printing machine. They didn't have computers with printers like we have today. And he would distribute, write tracts, the kind of tracts he thinks people in his inner would appreciate. And and wrote it with with the revelation he had, and printed it and gave it out. And people got saved. And God sent him early to an international trip. You're not young. You may be watching this and you're 12, 13. 
you have friends that are not born again, share with them what you know. Ask them, are you born again? Feed the Holy Ghost. Pray for someone over on phone to be feed the Holy Ghost. You have an auntie, you know, somewhere in, 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 in another state, another city that is not born again or is not filled the Holy Ghost. Call them. Ask them if they, they want you to minister to them. Use the time wisely. Don't be locked down and put your light under a bushel. Praise God. Put it on a candlestick. Put it on your telephone stick and shine in social media. Hallelujah. Verse 16. Say, let your light. He said, okay, 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they can on a candlestick and give it light unto all that are in the house. 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So here he's talking about good works. Good works. He said, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. Wow. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Continue. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. Has heaven and earth passed? So did Jesus give a timeline to when what he's saying was going to be? Yes. He said, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. So the law will be until it is fulfilled. Somebody say hallelujah. You know, one of the things you notice about God's word, I didn't intend to go here, but I think it's necessary to mention, God's word never fails. Hallelujah. The law once it has come out of the word of God or the mouth of God, it abides forever. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, the only way someone can operate outside the law is if you are operating on a principle that is above the law because the law still remains. It doesn't, it doesn't wipe out. We find that in the days of Esther and King, King uh, one of those long names. What's his name? Axertex. One of those long names. Praise God. It was the name of the king that married Esther. It doesn't matter. That's not the name is not the, the message. Praise God. All right, you can go check it out. You can Google it. Now, what we found out is that when uh, Mordecai uh, was was uh, in con contention with um, what's his name, the guy who hated the Jews. Haman, thank you. Thank you for the scriptorians in church today. Haman wanted to destroy the whole Jews and caused the king to make a decree that at a particular day, all the Jews could be wiped out. When it became revealed that he was doing it out of hatred and of mal, uh, malice, uh, the king could not cancel the law. The law was already out. What the king had to do was to enact another law that gave the Jews the right to defend themselves and to destroy anyone who tried to destroy them. That's, that's, that's what grace does. Grace does not necessarily nullify a law. It just enacts another law that allows you to operate beyond the limitation of the previous law. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 8, he said that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. He doesn't say the law of sin and death is no longer in operation. You're just operating in a higher law, so you are no longer subject to the law of sin and death. But if you are not walking in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, guess where you are walking in? The law of sin and death. It's still there. 
people are still dying every day. And they are still operating in, in causes and returns because there is a law of sin and death. Some people say, no, the law is no longer operational. He's still there. He's still there. The law is still really working until heaven and earth pass away. The law will not pass until he be fulfilled. Now, Jesus fulfilled the law so that we who believe in him operate as those who have already fulfilled the law. But the law is still there. And everyone who will not walk in the wisdom of grace will be subject to the law of sin and death. All right, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I won't have enough time to study this, you know, today. We can look at it on yourself. Now, he didn't just say they will make it to heaven. Just that they will be the bottom feeder. They will be on the lowest level in heaven because... They, were, they didn't understand it. Amen. Because there are some people who are doing that today. They're teaching people to, to de- ignore the law in the sense that they are saying it is not relevant. Now, it's true that we don't depend on the law for righteousness. But the works of the law is fulfilled in us. In short, when we walk in grace, the Bible says that there is no law against us. Because what the law wanted to do, we are doing even more. The Lord says, thou shalt not steal. We don't just steal, we give to people. Somebody say, hallelujah. So if you're giving to people, how can you steal from them? If you, are, if you love people enough to give to them. Bible says, the Lord says, thou shalt not commit adultery. The Bible says, we don't even look at people lustfully. So in the new covenant, we are operating on a degree that is higher than the law. The, 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 the expectations of the law is met in the new covenant believer who is walking by faith. That works by law. Somebody say hallelujah. So we are actually showing what the law really wanted to achieve. Not breaking them and living less or lower than even the people in the old covenant. So I continue. Whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men to do so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. Continue. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes, of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. So you must live better lives. I know righteousness means two things here. It means the nature of righteousness, but it also refers to the works of righteousness, which is part of what we're looking at. So we began to explain the difference. You have heard that it was said by them of old, which means Moses, called Moses of them of old. Thou shalt not kill. (laughs) And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. Next verse. But I say, and who is I? Grace is saying to you, hallelujah. The one who brought grace, the one who is love. The one who who introduced the new covenant is telling you now this is what the new covenant is saying. Bible says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. So he called Moses the the ones of old, but this is the new one. This is the new covenant truth. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, that includes sisters too, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So first of all, you ought not to be angry for no good reason. 
Somebody say, hallelujah. They don't like the way he looks at me. That's not a good reason. Say, yeah, yeah, he doesn't call me back. That's not a good reason. Praise God. Many of the reasons people are angry are not good reasons. He said, if you're angry without a good reason, a good cause, a cause, he said you are in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, thank God we don't use that language, so we don't say Raka. This <laughs> doubtful shall be in danger of the cancer. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So he says, don't call people names. You know, I know people read this all the time, but I keep hearing people calling, even spouses, calling their loved ones fool, bigot, dumb, dumb, stupid. The Bible says you are in danger of hellfire. You are in danger. You are in, and look at me. You are in danger of hellfire. <laughs> you say, but I say grace. This is grace talking. This is the one who embodies grace talking. Praise God. You say, why? I thought grace saves us. What the Bible is making us see that if, you, if your confession is contrary to what you believe, eventually it can ruin your faith. It didn't say you are going to hell. It said you are in danger, meaning that you are on a path that can lead to hell if you don't change. So therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Now, we won't have time to study, but this is a very powerful instruction. God said you are bringing your offering, your tithe. Then you remember that you are in con your conflict you are, and you have animosity against someone. He said, don't waste your offering that day. Just leave it first. Meaning, this one is priority first before you give your offering. Go and reconcile. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say, well, if I keep doing that, I will never give an offering. Thank God for cell phone. Before, before you go back and come back, your service will be over. <laughs> Thank God for cell phone. <laughs> you excuse yourself to the bathroom, call the person up and repent. <laughs> so, that you can, so that you can give your offering. But what he's saying, don't, don't come to church offended. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't come to church having offended folks and you don't care. Repent. Forgive. Reconcile. Make up. I heard Josemiah say sometimes they are in church and they are both worshipping. Their hands are raised and she's thinking, if he thinks I'm going to prepare food for him today, he's out of his mind. And his, her hands are lifted up worshipping <laughs> <laughs> you think God, God is enjoying that worship? <laughs> he said, agree with that adversary quickly. Why thou art on thy way with him? Least at any time the adversary delivered thee to the judge, and the judge delivered thee to the officer, and the, and the officer cast thee into prison. Uh, very I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out till thou hast paid the utmost fatting. Which means that if you don't, are not wise in reconciling, you pay for it. You pay some court fees. You may even go to jail on it. Praise God. All the time while you are confessing you are the righteousness of God. Now, you need to know how to reconcile. These are good works. It doesn't save you, but it's a product of salvation. It shows that you are saved. And if you keep doing the wrong thing, there is a concern if you are actually saved. 
Matthew 5.27. You have heard it as said of them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you commit adultery, you plead the grace. Is that what he said? No. 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 He said, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her. Now, it's also the same for a man. If a woman looketh at a man to lust after him, um, had committed adultery with her already in his heart, which means that you, you drop it before it gets to physical contact. The problem is not when you're already in the room and, and, and taking off your clothes. It's before you get there. That's where the problem is. In the new creation, you should not be in that proximity at all. The Spirit of God should tell you when you were driving, before, before you left your house, don't even go today. Don't pass, don't pass. The Bible says don't pass near house. Take a longer route. Don't be like David. David suffered a lot for it. David loved God. The Bible says I found a man after my heart. But he was looking through the balcony when he should have been to war. So a pretty wife. That should have been the first time he should have run home, closed his door, tell his soldiers, go and cover that bathroom, build a fine bathroom for that lady so it will be covered. But instead, he invited her for lunch. That was where the problem started. And then from that time, he did not only commit adultery, it led to murder. And that's what sin does. One sin leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And sin destroys. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her had committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. For it profited thou for thee that thou that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it out from thee. For it profited thee that one of thy members should perish that, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. So Jesus was teaching here, you have to take sin seriously. You have to take separating yourself from sin seriously. You have to cut out things that are, pro that are probing you to sin. Amen. Amen. If your network will cause you to sin, cut it off. Right? If your friends are probing you to do wrong things, cut them off. Telling you to go to the party, just just try it. I mean, you're you're so you're such a nerd. You just you're not you don't have fun, and, and they're telling you to go to the wrong place. Cut them off. Delete their number from your phone. Block them. That's what it means to cut it off. Take a drastic action, right? If you try to get them to church and they tell you, no, I can't come to church, but you come to the party first, then we decide whether we go to church. You just know your friends. Uh, don't don't follow them. Some people just decide to, you know, their friends say, just try it. It's just just just, just the simple drugs. How can you say you went through college and you never tasted any drug? You know, it will just be high, and you can see then some never come down from the high. They stay there and they just become drug addicts, lose their lives, lose their education. Don't don't be tempted to do such things. Cut those things off. It has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. This is what was said of old. The old, the old <laughs> said divorce. And make sure you go to court, write, give them a proper divorce. 
But the new covenant says unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, or the other way today is possible, put away your husband, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. Mark says you commit adultery too. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committed adultery. Continue. Again, ye have heard that it has been said by, the, by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform thy oaths, the Lord thy oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall thou swear by thy head, neither thou, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Some will say, it's simple, I'll just dial it. No, he's not talking about covering it. He's talking about making it. But let your communications be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than that, come out of evil. So what he's saying in essence is that let your words be true. If you say yes, mean it. Let people know you mean yes. When you say nay, mean it. If you start having to swear and begin to try to convince people you are, you are, you are on the borderline of lying because you, you don't even trust your own words. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye, a toot for a toot. Do me, I do you. <laughs> I will say, ah, if he does that to me, I will just do it back. I don't care. That's what it was said of old. But I say unto you that he resists not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I wish many Christians practiced the scriptures. And if any man will sue thee at thy law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak. Also, and whatsoever, whosoever shall compare thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that give to him that acted of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Let's stop here. We're talking about the centurion. Praise God. How many of you know that the Jews hated the centurions? <laughs> they didn't go there. They didn't eat in their house. They called them infidels. They called them Gentiles. They wouldn't shake with them. And guess what the centurion was doing? Building synagogues for them. Doing good for them. He was obeying these verses of scripture, even when it was not yet written in the new covenant. And God sent Peter to go help him. He was operating in the New Testament law of love. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Wow. When I, when I read these scriptures, I have to meditate. <laughs> like, wow. So somebody's cursing you out, you bless them. Somebody's trying to just despitefully use you, you do good to them. He said, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your father which is heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just 
and on the unjust. And so we say, yeah, this one I say, Pastor, you don't have to be right. God will send blessing on you as well as the unrighteous. They all get treated the same. We realize God loves everyone. He loves the good and the just. But what happens to the sinner, even though rain is falling and sun is shining, he's hiding because he's afraid that he's going to jail. So he doesn't necessarily get to see the rain or see the sun, even though God releases it. But he becomes self-destructive. Bible says the sinner runneth when no man pursues. God is not pursuing, but he's running. He's looking at it, but there's no peace for the unrighteous. It's not because God sends lack of peace, but there is no peace for the unrighteous. So even though God loves them, God wants to help them, but if they don't repent, turn around and receive grace and live right, they are going to have a lot of challenges. And if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, you only text those who text you. That's what is called salute today. You only WhatsApp those who WhatsApp you. You only call those who call you. You visit only those who visit you. Some don't even visit anybody. They don't call anybody. He says, but if you only salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the Republicans so. Be ye therefore perfect even as... Your heavenly father is perfect. So he couldn't be talking to new old covenant folks. He had already distinguished between the old covenant law and the new covenant. He said, this is what the law said. So if he's saying, that's not what I'm telling you to do, he's telling you what the new covenant people ought to do. And then he says, be perfect as your father. He couldn't tell the old covenant folks that way because they couldn't be perfect. But we can. Somebody say, hallelujah. I know some everybody say, no, nobody's perfect. We are all broken vessels. Now, well, that is not very correct. The truth is that Paul said, I don't count myself to be perfect. He didn't say, I can never be perfect. He said, but I press towards the mark of the price. Some people say, yeah, if, if Paul said he can't be perfect, nobody can. The Bible didn't say we should be like Paul. He said we should be like who? Like Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So, he actually, Paul said that we that we should press towards the mark of that prize. He says that we should we should not be tossed in Ephesians for by every wind of doctrine, but we should grow unto him in all things and become a perfect man, an exact measure of the fullness of Christ. So yes, there's a scriptural perfection that God expects us to walk in as believers. Somebody say hallelujah. And that comes to the new creation. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number two. Wow. Bible study runs fast. Time runs fast on Bible study. Even when we are doing majorly media. Let's start from verse 1. Ephesians chapter number 2. And say, and you had he quickened who was who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked. Now he's talking in time past. So people this were not the way they were living. But he's saying you don't live that way anymore. So we are in time past. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So there's a spirit that's causing people to live in sin. Once you're born again, you are delivered from the dominion of sin and Satan and darkness. You're translated into a new kingdom. So how can you continue to walk in sin? That's what Paul was saying in Romans chapter number 6. He said, if we have been born again, Again, our old nature had been crucified. How can we live in sin any longer? We are new creatures. We are born again. We are now supposed to do good works. We are born for good works. Now we are born again. The works we work are works of righteousness. Somebody say hallelujah. 
Verse 3, among whom also we were, we had our conversation. That conversation means lifestyle. In time past, we're living this way. We don't live like that anymore. In the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. They were just following the way they feel. I just don't feel like, I don't feel, I just feel like anger. I just feel like shouting. And they are they are yielding to the flesh. The Bible says people who walk that way, they are children of wrath. The Bible says that if you live after the flesh, you die. But if through the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you live. Romans 8 says that. Let's continue. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, when we were dead in sins, had quickened us. I like the word quickened. Make alive. Hallelujah. Together with Christ. So Christ has been quickened. We have been quickened too. By grace you are saved. And had raised us up, didn't say, and we raised up, and had, past tense, raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. So we are raised up, we are sitting in the heavenly realms. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ten, we stop here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So we are born by grace, but we are born that we can do good works, which God has prepared for us to walk in. Somebody say hallelujah. So yes, we should do good works. Let's look at Titus chapter number 3. <clears throat> Titus 3 from verse 8. Hallelujah. So this man, Colinius, was a man who feared God and did good works. In the New Testament, we know we are not saved by good works. We are saved by grace. Jesus did the work that we needed to do. We receive it by faith and then we walk in it. <clears throat> That's how we are saved. We receive it, but... One of the proof that we are saved is that we are able to walk the good works. That's one of the proofs. Titus 3 verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And, and these things are will that you affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God, have believed, you're born again, might be careful to maintain. Maintain means to continue to do good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read to 10. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Let's stop there. So here he's saying that we ought to maintain good works. We should be careful. We should be put our hearts to do the things that are good. And we should not just live Anyhow, we don't live like the rest of the world. So we see that Colinius did good works. Let's go to Isaiah 32. But the Bible says that he maintained the works of righteousness. So there are works of righteousness. Once you are made righteous by faith, there are certain things that is expected. Hallelujah. You can't be living in righteousness by faith and believing in sin. They don't go together. 
Once you are born again and you are born into the righteousness of God, there are works of righteousness. And that's a good works that you need to produce. Isaiah 32, let's start reading from 17. He said, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. <clears throat> and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Somebody say hallelujah. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation. And in short dwellings and in quiet resting places. Let me just say this. If you are a troublemaker, your righteousness is in question. He said that the work of righteousness shall be what? Shall be peace. You are, you are, he said those that are peacemakers are called sons of God. One of the things that should happen when you are born again, there should be a calmness, peace about you. You're not trouble, shooting troubles everywhere. People know you for, your, for, for trouble. No. You're a peacemaker now. Hallelujah. It's an impact of righteousness. You're a peaceful man, a peaceful woman. You don't like trouble. You only give trouble to the devil. Praise God. The work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance. Some translation NIV says, and confidence forever. Bible says, study to be quiet. Too much noise shows that it's an empty vessel. When you are meditating on the word, you are not easily perturbed. You are not easily aggravated. You are not easily, you are not easily, you know, inflamed or annoyed. You are peace. You are a peaceful person. Amen. Amen. And peace is not weakness. It's strength under great control. It's like me. It's, 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 it's akin to meekness. You're peaceful. And it's a work of righteousness. You have a right relationship with God. One reason why people are scattered, angry, fighting is because they don't feel the peace of God. They're trying to make it up in every which way. But the Bible said that the evil man runneth when? When no man pursueth. But the righteous is as bold as a lion. Proverbs 28 verse 1. So the one who is righteous is confident. He's not trying to prove a point. But the one who is, who, is, who is not righteous, who is evil, he's trying every which way, scattered all over the place. And the Bible says that you must be wise to maintain good works. You have to develop the fruit of the Spirit. You have to be a peaceful person. One of the things that happens when somebody is quick to forgive is going to be a peaceful person. It's revenge. You kill my father. You kill my mother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what causes all of this kind of fight. Many times, contentions are people striving to. Somebody spoke to me wrong. I'm going to tell you something worse that hurt you more. It's all striving after the flesh. Bible says they slap you on one side with their tongue, with their words. What do you do? You turn the other side. You don't. Re you don't revenge. You don't say a more nasty thing. You don't say the things that will hurt them the most. But that's the way many people live. Bible says that's not a work of righteousness. And one of the reasons why Cornelius was commended was his faith, his reverence for God, which is faith, and the corresponding actions that followed. 
the works of righteousness. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 I say hallelujah. hallelujah. We'll look at 1 John chapter 2. Maybe we can read a few verses in 2 and then chapter 3 and we can conclude. This is a major part and I believe one of the areas God wants me to teach. I'm writing a new book. Many of you already know. Power over sin. I'm beginning to teach more and more towards that direction. Is that God wants us to live not only righteous lives but holy lives. Amen. Jesus paid to deal with sin and sin consciousness and give us the ability to live right. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let me just say this. You know, uh, I don't know if I will have time to read these verses because we're almost out of time. Um, one of the problems with sin is that sin can be subtle. Praise God. You know, one of the parts that we were reading on Sunday concerning sin, the Bible says that uh, we were alive once, but when the law came, sin revived and we died. Now, the challenge with that is that even though the Bible in that verse, uh, of, I think it's Romans 7, uh, indicates that sin was ineffective without the law. That is the picture that that um, scripture um, portrays. But if you go back to chapter number 5 of the same Romans, the Bible says that before the law came, it says sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed because there was no law. He said, but yet death reigned. Now that is a major thing, meaning that even when sin and law is not addressed, the problem is that people will still die because if sin is subtle, not addressed, it may not be operating in its full force, but it's killing people silently. So the reason for the introduction of the law was to bring sin out so that we can really know what's killing people. <laughs> so that it can be dealt with and death can be dealt with. Hallelujah! So... Without the law, there is sin, just not known. It's not effective, but it's still killing. Death remains because sin became the nature. So what was the purpose of the law was to bring out sin in the sinner so that the sinner will know there is a problem and can understand the problem so that he can deal with the problem by grace. So the law is good, just that the law doesn't help you to deal with sin. It just shows you sin and creates an opportunity for sin to operate. Sin is rebellion. A guy could be rebellious and you don't know until you tell him to do something he doesn't want to do. You know, some people think they are very faithful. They are faithful many years until the day the leader says, do something they don't want to do. Then they say, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. So even though they looked like they were faithful all the time, were they really faithful? No, they were just, they, they didn't have the opportunity to submit. So sin was there, just not known, because there was no law that came forth to show them that they were rebellious. So it's not the time they became rebel, like they rebelled, that they were rebellious. They were being rebellious. Now they just had the opportunity to manifest it. Like when when Kenny Higgins went to preach and said, and some people said to him, 
Ah, what? You're confusing me. He said, no, I didn't come to confuse you. You were already confused before I came. My preaching only showed light on your confusion. <laughs> because I trust the, the word of God doesn't confuse. The truth doesn't confuse. You were already confused. <clears throat> That's the same way sin works. People were already dying before the law came. The law came just to show the reason why. And though when it came, dying multiplied because people now had an opportunity to commit more sin. Now they knew, oh, I should not steal. Oh, let me go and steal. That showed that they were rebellious. They were sinful. But when Jesus Christ came, he dealt with the nature of sin. Hallelujah! And if sin has been dealt with, death has been dealt with. Because the whole essence of bringing out sin was to deal with sin so that death can be destroyed. Because the Bible says as long as people are afraid of death, they are all their lifetime subject to bondage. So sin has done its work, brought sin, uh, Lord, the law has done its work, brought sin to the surface so that grace can come, take it from the root so that we can be free from death. That's what the Bible says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is dead. And then the gospel will be fulfilled, which it says, oh, dead, where is that thing? It's swallowed up in victory. Until our bodies are redeemed, the gospel is not completely fulfilled. And that's why we must press on to that generation, which is now that we bring all things under the feet of Jesus Christ. Even natural death. We are the generation that would not see, see death. Somebody say hallelujah. Some people are saying, oh, it's the last days. It's the last days. They are putting chips on people. Me, I'm saying, hey, hey, it's the last days. We are ready to go home. <laughs> the work is almost done. Come on, let's finish this thing quickly. Let's move. Let's relocate. We're going beyond Mars. Some people are trying to go to Mars. No, why are you going to stay in that hot planet? We're going beyond Mars. We are going to the heavens of heavens, the third heavens. We're going to stay with the one who created all things, who made planets that are all diamonds. How beautiful would heaven be like? So we should rejoice. Why the whole world is saying, ah, what's going to happen? No, no, we are not. We are rejoicing. The Bible says that we should be looking forward to that day. We should, I'm saying, hasten it, hasten it. <laughs> because I know that as soon as the Antichrist is about to be revealed, I'm gone. I'm gone. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. And this is the generation. This is it. I've been saying this, so I'm not surprised. This is the generation. This is the, all of the last day prophecies are fulfilling in this generation. So indeed, I said to my wife, even be, I think even before this corona, I said, I, be, I, I believe that the Antichrist is already born. He has to be somewhere already. So how can you be surprised they're already putting chips in people's hands? Listen, they did not wait for coronavirus. The people who were putting chips in their hands in Sweden, it was not because of corona. They were already putting chips just to open doors, get into their accounts, get into banks. So people are so aware it's corona, corona is 5G. People are taking chips without 5G. They will find a way to get people to get the mark. I'm not saying the chips are the 5G. They will find a way. It may be through the sickness and the disease. I don't know, but the church is not going to be here to find out. Somebody say hallelujah. We would have finished the work. That's why you need to send video messages now about WhatsApp. Reach as many people as you can. Because one of these days, we're going to hear a sound. And with a trumpet as loud and everyone who is ready and awaiting will be caught up in the sky. 
But the Bible says, now we must shine as light. Somebody say, hallelujah. We must maintain good works. I won't have time to read First John. The Bible tells us that, you know, we have passed from death to life if we love the brethren. One way we know that we have passed from death to life is if we love the brethren. Chapter number three says that if we are born again, we cannot continue in sin. We, he said, don't be deceived. He that walketh sin. Let's just look at the last verse of chapter number two. He said, verse 29, 1 John 2, if you, know that he, if you know that he is righteous, we know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. He's not just talking about those who are born righteous. Anyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So he's talking about one of the ways you recognize born again Christians <clears throat> is that they do righteousness. They walk righteousness. They're not just confessing righteousness. That's the way you start. Because you receive it by faith. You don't do it, you say you have it. But then, the, run on the proof, the manifestation that you have received it, is that you begin to walk. It's just like healing. Jesus already paid for our healing. You receive it. But one of the proofs that you are healed, is that you get up from your sick bed, and go ahead and do your daily duty. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. You can't be confessing you are healed and you are healed, you healed and you're taking medicine and things are getting worse. You can't go anywhere. You can't, you can't do your job. The proof that you are healed. You, know, you believe it in your heart, but there should be a manifestation of that healing. That's why you are confessing it. You get up and you begin to do what you couldn't do before. The same way with righteousness. You used to lie. You used to get mad. You used to become angry. You need to curse out. You were a troublemaker. Now you are born again. Begin to live and begin to practice quietness. I want to hear an amen. amen. Stop causing trouble for people. Stop living in sin. Bible says that in new, the new covenant, Galatians 5, 6, neither circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything but faith that walketh by love. Now that means God's love for us. It also means we're walking in that love. Bible says by this we know love if we give our lives one for another. By this we know love. 1 John 3, 16, that he died for us. So also we ought to lay down our lives for others. So we know that we know him because we walk in love. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number uh, 4, it says that he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. He that does not love does not know God for God is love. So if you are born of God, you must walk in love. And these are the good works. You are born again now. You can't use your mouth to hurt people. Not your spouse, not your children, not your neighbor, not even your enemy. You can use it. Amen. You have to consider one another to provoke the love and good work. Somebody is stingy to you. Don't be stingy back. Overcome evil with good. Believe God for more than enough. So that you can bless them that you even know they are taking from you. You don't feel it. That's what Jesus did. If it was people, they would have sued, sued Judas' carrier to call. Can you steal from the offerings? They would have shamed him openly. But Jesus just, he knew all the time. But he just believed for more money. <laughs> And though Judas Iscariot eventually suffered the, the result of his evil, but Jesus did not really do it to him. Jesus just even ignored him throughout his ministry. 
A thief handling the treasury. Can you imagine the combination? He's the thief and he's the one handling the money, counting the money. So just because somebody does not pull the person out doesn't mean the person is exempt. People say, you see grace? Didn't do anything. But eventually, because he didn't repent, he died like a criminal. He that was one of the apostles. If you read the scriptures properly, you discover that he was one of those who casted out devils, who healed the sick. He went to the other apostles. He did great works and yet died like a criminal because he wouldn't repent. So it's serious. You need to maintain good works. You need to keep your heart right. Keep your direction right. Do what God says. When you see yourself doing the wrong thing, repent. One of the greatest power of grace is the power of forgiveness. Even if you make a mistake and you repent and say, I don't want to do it anymore. Help me. He will help you. Repentance, no, you say, I found it. I, I got caught and just cry a little. No, no, it's not the sad feeling. The Bible says the, the godly repentance can walk, uh, godly sorrow can walk repentance, but repentance is the turning, the change of mind. The saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I see it wrong. Acknowledge it's wrong. Lord, help me. I want to do it right. That's repentance. And if you mean it in your heart, the Spirit of God will help you, cause you to do it right. Don't continue in the wrong path. Don't say, well, it's, it's a grace. I'm fine. No. Find good works. The good works we are required to do. Help the needy around you. Think about how to be a blessing. Start with your family members. Somebody has a need, help them. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You finish your chore, somebody else is struggling with their chore, help them. That's love. There's a blessing for it. You don't just speak in tongues, go to church, and then you, you, you're mean to everybody in your neighborhood. That's not a Christian life. We are the light of the world. It's time to arise and shine. For our light is come. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for everyone who is watching this. We thank you, Lord, for the message of your grace and your love going together to change lives, to heal the sick to cast the devils, to change families, to change children, to, 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 to fill them with love, with joy, with peace, that, we know, that, that people begin to recognize that true peace, true, true joy, true satisfaction doesn't come because you have things. Things can be good, but they're actually there because you have Christ. You have the fruit of love and joy. And that things help you to minister to others, to be a blessing as they minister to you, but not to be a means of show off or to put others down. I ask the Lord that everyone hearing the sound of my voice who is saved will be wise to maintain good works. And if there are those who are hearing that are not born again, I ask that you draw them to you and cause them to give their lives to you. Now, if you are watching this channel and you are not born again, maybe you flipped to it. Maybe somebody shared it with you. Maybe you're watching it after the fact. You can be born again. The first step into doing good work is to be born again. God won't tell you to do something that is impossible for you to do. And that's what it, that it is when you are trying to do good works and you are really not saved. You're going to fail because you don't have the help of the Holy Ghost. But if you are born again, the Spirit of God can help you. We teach you. We guide you. We strengthen you. When you think you can't do it by yourself, he will help you. And you can do what God wants you to do. And the most important part is that your name is written in the book of life. Meaning that when you leave this world, you are sure where you are going. So I want to ask you to give your life to Christ. And say this short prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sin, my former life. I receive the new life. 
from today, I call you my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you were raised from the dead. So I surrender my life to you today. Help me to live my life from today according to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for the ones who have made this prayer. And I will also pray for anyone who may be sick in their bodies. And if you are listening and you are sick in your body, you can just put your hand where the pain is. So put your hand on your chest. The healing power is coming. God is bigger than any virus, bigger than any kind of sickness, any hereditary sickness. He can change your DNA and cause you to become brand new in every part of your body. So just put your hand in your, on your chest and, and join me as I pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every sickness and disease. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice, I say, be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I command every ailment to stop. Every symptom cease in Jesus' name. I drive you out, you spirit of fear and torment. Loose your hand from these ones. Be healed right now. Be healed. Yes, be healed. Eyes, be healed. Back pain, be healed. Every organ, be reconstructed. I see creative miracles happening right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Lungs, cloud, fear, go in the name of Jesus. Be restored to perfect health. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the name of God. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, Catch us at 11.30 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.